we are recording now and yeah so ready set Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on March 29th, we will be talking about all the pros and cons of different reading formats. Are physical books better than audiobooks? Do paperbacks make better weapons than ebooks? Join us to find out all our opinions. Then, on April 5th, we have special guests. The Badass Literature Society joins us for a talk about Neil Gaiman's The Sleeper and the Spindle. Finally, two quick announcements before we move on. With our one-year anniversary coming up in April, woohoo! Mo and I are hosting a series of giveaways on Instagram. This week, we're giving away a cross-stitched piece by Bad Bitches Stitches, a mini painting and easel, a The Book Life logo mug, and a sticker anxiety bookmark. If you'd like to enter this giveaway, head on over to our Instagram and follow the instructions on the post you'll find there. Or check out our Facebook post about it for a direct link to the post. Secondly, Since we're coming up on one year of podcasting, we're also starting a Patreon. The Patreon will launch April 12th, and we're incredibly excited to share all the cool perks we've been planning. Some of these perks include episode shoutouts, a monthly book-picking poll for our guaranteed episode, a spoiler-free miniseries and bonus content, and even having us send you a book we're planning to do an episode on. We hope you'll consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Now... On with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are taking another walk down Nostalgia Lane, where we're going to start a series. We're going to talk about the Harry Potter series. So I received Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in sixth grade from my aunt. I was like, what the crap is this book? Why did you give it to me? I don't want to read this. Right, and I got that for Christmas. Actually, that was in fifth grade. In fifth grade, I got that for Christmas. It sat around. And, and by sixth grade, I'm not sure why I picked it up. Maybe because everybody else was reading it. But I read it and went, holy crap, this book is amazing. Why did I not read this? And Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets was out. And Harry Potter and Pizzeria Azkaban was out. So, of course, Abby, I tore through those books, Okay. So I definitely read this book for the first time when I was 12. When was the first time that you read this book? So it was either like eighth grade or freshman year of high school because my parents were the ones who didn't actually read what the book was about. They just went, oh, there's witchcraft in it. Obviously, you can't read it. Okay. Because those were my parents. And of course, I had all sorts of awesome friends by high school and... So they all went, you haven't read Harry Potter? Hang on. And I just got to borrow all the books at that point. <laughs> and I think like the sixth and seventh ones weren't out at that point. I don't know. I don't know when they were published. When you were a freshman, that means you, this was 2004. Pretty sure the last two weren't out yet because they both came out when I was in high school. Like I think they came, I think they might've come out like 05, 07. Okay. So yeah, I got to read the first five, like my freshman, sophomore year kind of thing. Fun fact. So these books always came out right before camp, church camp, and we weren't supposed to bring like books with us to read. 
<laughs> you, you know who brought books with her to read, right? Like, I mean, it would manifest. Like, I would get it from Amazon. It would manifest on the doorstep. And yes, yes, I did pack that book with me to read before falling asleep. I would expect nothing less from you. I would be shocked if you hadn't. <laughs> By the way, I had to look it up. I am so good at remembering what years these books came out. It was 05 and 07, as I said. Bravo. And it's mostly because I just distinctly, I mean, I, I definitely brought Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hollows to church camp with me. I mean, you got to have something good to read. Uh, yeah, and it had just come out. I definitely finished those books. Mm. Did I finish Deathly Hollows at church camp? I might have read it in two days. Like I might have just like sat in my bedroom and didn't move and read that book. <laughs> and like, no, no, it's okay. You guys go do the activities. I'm just, I'm gonna be here. No, I don't think I even brought it with me to camp. I think I probably read it at home. Mm. I did not move after reading that book. Okay, I just sat there and went. Mm. I miss those days when you could just like sit in your room all day and read. I know it's unfortunate now that we have to work or take care of children or clean or do other adulty adult things. Like feed people. and Yeah. It's not... Like I said, take care of children. Yeah. Your husband can feed himself. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have definitely read this book a lot. So since I did a listen, like, re-listen it's the first time i've actually listened to the audiobook version of it i love the voice acting uh-huh like it made me so happy yes i very much enjoy the audiobooks there was like a solid two years where i literally just had the audiobooks on constant like constantly playing in the background like around the house when we went for walks and stuff because they are kids' books that I enjoy listening to, but I also knew everything was clean enough that my kids could listen to them, no problem, even if they weren't really listening, listening. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those, like, nice background things. So I, like, I reread these for, like, two straight years. <laughs> I see nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, it worked. <laughs> I know them very well. Right. But I would definitely say every time a new book came out, I would reread the whole series as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So I I would say if I was going to count how many times I've read the series, I would have to say this is probably like, a, or at least the first book, like 10 times. Yeah. I love how good these books are. I can't wait to share them with my kids. I am so glad that you've already shared them with your kids. Because like... Mm-hmm. I mean, they already had advantage because they've read these books many times now. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think they really listen, listened to them. So when I actually break out the actual physical books, when I get around to doing that, they're probably going to be like, what is this new book? Harry Potter is an orphan living with his aunt and uncle who hate him. After he begins receiving strange letters delivered by owls, his aunt and uncle begin to panic. And when the letters won't stop, Uncle Vernon forces the whole family to flee the house. 
Unfortunately, no one told Vernon Dursley that you can't escape magical deliveries, and Harry James Potter is about to find out about the world his parents came from and the truth about their deaths. Hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. So, I'm not, like, super into the movies, but I do admit, like, when you read that to me and you read about the scape, it just made me think... I don't know. It just brings me back to watching the movie and the theaters and all of those magical feelings when the owls start delivering the letters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely have to say I like the first director the best. I love the first and second movies a lot. Yeah. The rest are fine. It has to be said. As it has been said before, the reason Harry Potter wasn't a Ravenclaw is because he didn't bend down and pick up one of the letters by his feet. <laughs> shove it into something. I know. I know. <sighs> yeah. But yeah, I do enjoy how they did the owl delivery in the uh, movies. Let's talk about the characters in this book. I know this is such a well-known, well-loved but I feel like there's a pretty main cast of characters. Would you like to start us off? Sure. Of course, we have Harry Potter, who is our main character throughout all these books. He starts off as an 11-year-old. So he turns 11 at the very beginning of this book. And he wears glasses. He has crazy black hair and bright green eyes. And he's a wizard. And a lightning-shaped scar. Oh, yes. Can't forget the scar. He has a lightning-shaped scar on his head. So we do, unfortunately, have to talk about the Dursleys. There's Vernon Dursley, who is Harry's uncle. Petunia Dursley, who is Harry's aunt. And Dudley Dursley, who is Harry's cousin. Petunia is actually Harry's mother's sister. So that's how the relation goes. They are all incredibly normal humans. And Vernon and Petunia hate magic with a passion. Uh, Vernon is very large, very overweight. Petunia is very tall and very skinny. And described as having a horse face. Mm hmm. What a couple, man. What a couple. Oof. And Dudley takes after his father and is very overweight. What a family. Yes. Just just lovely people right there. And they are as normal, as normal as you can be. And then, of course, into their life bursts Rubeus Hagrid, who is the keeper of keys and groundskeeper at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And Hagrid is the one who actually comes and gets Harry. He's a half-giant, so he's very, very tall. Very, very intimidating. He wears a big old coat that is basically nothing but pockets. And all of those pockets have things in them. And they could be living things as well. Yes. And then as we get into the school, we meet Ron Weasley, who is one of many red-headed children who is part of an old wizarding family. We meet Hermione Granger, who is coming from a muggle family, a non-magical family, into 
the Wizarding World, we meet Draco Malfoy, who also is another classmate, and he is from a very long pure bloodline of wizards, and also another very old family. And then some of the professors that we meet, we meet Professor Minerva McGonagall, who is the head of the Gryffindor house, who is stern but loving. She, she truly does care about the students, but man, is she scary. There's Professor Servius Snape, who is the head of Slytherin, who is described as oily, with black hair, kind of greasy. Like every time like he's described, I kind of cringe and go, ooh, mm, okay, don't play with him. And there's also the head of Hogwarts, Professor Albus Dumbledore, who is just has always has a twinkle in his eye and half moon glasses with a long white beard and truly loves the students. And who are the last two characters, Abby? So the last two we have are Professor Quirrell, and he is the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher in the first year here at Hogwarts. And then the final player is Lord Voldemort. And he is the Dark Lord. He is the big bad of this series. And he is the one who killed Harry's parents. Not a good guy at all. And I forgot to mention that Professor McGonagall is the teacher of Transfiguration. And Professor Snape is the teacher of Potions. Definitely a very large cast of characters. There's even more people that show up. Like there's some Weasley siblings that show up. A whole bunch of people in the first years that are mentioned. I love it. I love how, I don't know, like all of the books kind of expand more and more and more. And then you get to meet even newer, cooler characters. But yeah, I love the cast. There's such a huge cast in this series or even just in a single book it's impossible to go over all of them without taking forever (laughs) that is true and if we get too deep into it we might have spoilers and we can't do that exactly well i think that's everything i could think of to talk about before we deep dive into spoiler city i have a question for you did you enjoy the movie or not i did I feel like it's probably the one that's truest to the books. Mm-hmm. So it really had all of that magic and it was a good way to start off the series of movies. For sure. I love the costuming. I love the characters. I love the actors. I definitely felt like it was the movie that truly kept to the heart of Harry Potter. For sure. Well, that's it for our first half of our Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone episode. When we come back, we are going to deep dive once again to our favorite characters, least favorite characters, favorite scenes, least favorite scenes, and our final thoughts. We'll see you back in a moment. Talk to you in a minute, guys. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. And now back to the show. 
Welcome back, guys. And remember, this half is always spoilers. So if for some reason you have not read this book, you need to pause right here and go read it and then come back and talk to us. Let's talk favorite characters. Yes. Me or you first? Go ahead. All right. So this is going to be very typical. I am going to say my favorite, favorite character in this book, not the whole series, but this book by itself is Harry Potter. I love his whole story throughout this whole thing. I love how he goes from underdog to a hero. I love how he finds essentially a family acceptance friend within the wizardy world. Everything about it. I just love everything about his story, everything about him in this book, in this book, mind you. I'm also super fond throughout the whole series of Hagrid. Hagrid's always been one of my favorite characters. He's, I don't want to say he's like super smart, um, but he's street smart at least most of the time. But I love the scene with Norbert the dragon. I love his heart. I love how he loves Fang and Fluffy. You remember Fluffy three-headed dog and Fang, his giant mastiff. I love, I love his love of animals. That's one of my favorite things about him. And my other favorite character in this book is definitely Professor McGonagall. I love that scene um, where she, <laughs> where Harry catches the remember ball and on the broom, and she's like right there in the window going, hmm. This would be a really good fit for my for my house team, and then, you know, he thinks great. She's going to expel me, but really, she's given him the chance to really shine. And I might like her so much because I love Maggie Smith as the actress from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So of course, I just imagine Maggie Smith and her Scottish accent and everything about her. You know. Oh yeah. When I when I think about Professor McGonagall. So those are my top three characters from this book. How about you, Abby? You know, I don't think I've ever heard anybody actually say that Harry Potter is their favorite character in any of these books. So I love him in this book and I love him in book three. Okay. So he's my favorite character in book one and three. Just put that right there right now. I just really appreciate that you came up with Harry Potter as one of your favorites in this one. How can you not love him in this book? He is this underdog, totally has his beep kicked by life, and he gets his whole 180 transformation to join this really super awesome world and gets all these friends and finds himself. Like, it, it's a coming-to-age story. I love coming-to-age. It definitely is. I agree. Harry Potter's really good in this first movie, or in this first book. I mean, movie book, you can take both. Daniel Radcliffe was a pretty darn cute little Harry Potter. Yes, he was. <laughs> mm -hmm. Personally, I think my top pick for this movie would be Hagrid. Because this movie or this book? Either one. <laughs> <laughs> my top pick for this book for characters would be Hagrid because of all of the stuff he does for Harry. He's the one who gets him out of his aunt and uncle's place. He's the one who takes him to Diagon Alley. 
and he's the one who buys him his owl, his very first, like, real birthday present. He's the one who, knowing that all the other kids are going to be getting owl post when they're at Hogwarts, he sends a note to Harry asking if he wants to come down for tea later when he could have just stopped by the Great Hall at any time. Mm-hmm. It's just like all those little things that Hagrid did were so endearing. And uh, Hagrid is such an underrated character so often. Well, think about it too. I'm sure Hagrid felt like Harry was like one, like Fluffy and like Fang, just another one to, for him to adopt into his man- menagerie, you know? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I also really loved the twins. I always really loved the twins in all of the books. But I really liked that they were the ones who noticed Harry was Harry Potter first. <laughs> and, yeah, they told, like, their mom and Ron about it. But then they were like, yeah, okay, that's cool. You're another kid. Mm-hmm. And they're just like... Whenever they pop up, they treat him kind of like another brother. Yeah. Which I find really sweet. It's kind of that like found family thing. Like, oh, I mean, we have all these siblings. You're just going to be another one of them. I do love it. And then McGonagall. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that McGonagall was genuinely questioning Dumbledore's intelligence in, in leaving... Harry with the Dursleys. Mm-hmm. I love that she felt protective enough of him that she literally sat on a brick wall all day watching them as a cat just to be like, mm, I don't know about these people, Dumbledore. I really don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. So I just appreciate how much she obviously cares for all of her students and just her in general, that really like stern and foreboding person who's actually like really loving. She's kind of like a female version of the scary teddy bear. Yes. Yes, she is. That's probably why we love her so much. Yep, probably. <laughs> but yes, I completely agree with that assessment. All right. So characters we didn't like. <laughs> so Sometimes I struggle with this one, but I am not a fan of Snape. I'm not a fan of Snape through the books, any of the books. I don't care about his story. I don't care about him. I understand why he did the things that he did, but I just have no sympathy for Snape. Same thing for Malfoy. I don't understand people's obsession and fetishes with them. Like wanting the, you know, oh, I love the bad boy. Oh, fallen hero. He can be redeemed. I'm like, mm, I'm good. Thank you. You can keep them for yourself. Never really liked Snape at all. And this is going to be bad and it's going to sound weird, but I don't like Hermione until after the toll scene. So... Fun fact, the publisher actually wanted to cut the troll scene and Rowling told them, no, you can't do that because it's her redeeming scene. It is. It's the scene where she's not a giant B word, uh-huh. you know? Yep. Like, I, yeah. 
she's she's written to be that way before the tool scene. Oh, I oh, I know. I know she is. I just really cannot. I really don't like her at all until after that scene, which I know you're not meant to. You're not supposed to. I really don't. Okay? I really don't. And I think that, I mean, like, I feel so typical when I say I don't like these characters, except for um, Hermione. Like, I just don't like Draco. I don't like Snape. I don't like Professor Quirrell. I don't like Lord Voldemort. I mean... I do, those are just the characters I don't like. I don't like the poltergeist, Teasley. I don't like Filch and his cat. What are you not supposed to like? What about for you? Well, I completely agree about Snape. The thing about Snape that I hate <laughs> is his tormenting of the students. You're a teacher. You are supposed to be in, you're in a position of authority. And he's abusing that authority every day. The things that he does, even in just this first book, he basically threatens. I mean, he tries to poison Neville's toad. He literally tries to poison a student's pet. Mm-hmm. Just because Neville messed something up. And that's, first off, that's not how you teach. And secondly, my God, can you imagine? If somebody in authority over you threatened to poison one of your pets, like, what kind of psycho does that? No, I'd be, I would be so, I would be so mad. Right? Well, you know, it's even worse because Neville's uncle had gotten him that toad. And so for like getting into Hogwarts, so it was like a super special thing to begin with, besides just being a pet, like. What kind of psycho threatens to poison an animal? I don't know. Snape, apparently. So, um, yeah. I hate him because he's a horrible person. Genuinely a horrible person. Also, the Dursleys. Forever and always, I will hate the Dursleys. Yeah. It's even to me now that they're the real villains in these stories. Or one of the real villains in these stories. Just because all of the abuse that they put Harry through. It's child abuse. It's straight up child abuse. It's awful. And I don't... Yeah. It just... It's horrible. It gets more and more apparent every time I read this series. Yeah, they're kind of like the worst people ever. Yeah. Like, even if you don't want the baby that was dropped on your doorstep, that's no excuse. Right. Yeah, I forgot to mention them as well. I also don't like them. See, I don't like any of the characters. I, I, I'm just very typical. I don't like any of those characters. Yep. All the characters were meant to not like. Precisely. Do we want to do favorite or least favorite scenes? Let's do, let's do favorite scenes. Let's just, that sounds good. Abby, tell me about your favorite scene. So one of my favorite scenes is when you get that first real look at Hogwarts, you're going over in the boats, and then the scene where you get to see the Great Hall for the first time, and you have it described, and it's just this, like, huge, magical, wonderful thing. And that's, it's so well described, and so cool, both in the book and the movie. Mm -hmm. It's so well done. It's just, ugh. 
Mm. I love the ceiling. I love when they describe the ceiling that it looks like the nighttime sky and the constellations and the stars or if it's cloudy outside or when the moon's, you know, out. I love the ceiling. I know. I want that ceiling for myself. <laughs> okay. You, you go get you that ceiling. Okay. I will. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I just, I love reading that scene every time. I really enjoy the description of Diagon Alley every time I read them. Mm-hmm. All the fun different shops that are there and all the cool things that are in the shops. And Hagrid having to convince Harry not to buy some like gold-plated cauldron or something ridiculous. Uh-huh. He's <laughs> like, no, it says a pewter cauldron. You are getting a pewter cauldron. <laughs> and then one thing that got me this time around when I reread it was Padma Patil actually tells Draco to shut up at one point when he's making fun of someone. I like that. And that just, it cracked me up because I didn't, when you watch the movies too many times, you don't get the feeling of all of the students that are actually there who interact with Harry and his friends and all that. In the books, it's much more apparent because mm-hmm. this was like a complete throwaway thing that was just stuck in there. But it's just, it made me laugh. <laughs> I was like, yes, somebody besides Harry and his immediate circle of friends telling Draco to shut up. <laughs> it is quite nice. Uh, what about you? What were some of your favorites? Uh, lots of them. You mentioned one of them. I absolutely love the first glimpse of Diagon Alley. And partially, this is part of the movie's doing, too. It's the music right there. And that music is so ingrained in me that when they first walk into Diagon Alley, when they talk about it, when I read it, I hear the music. The score from the movie, I know we're not talking about the movie, but that score from the movie is so freaking good, you know? And I, and I just imagine going into this wonderful shopping area with all of these stores, you know, with the broomstick shop and the wand shop and getting fitted for his robes where he first meets Draco, going to go buy his books, going to go buy his supplies. I love it all. I love that entire chapter. Mm-hmm. And then specifically I mentioned is the scene in the bathroom with the troll. That's one of my favorite scenes in the book. I love that scene because, I mean, it's a scene that redeems Hermione. It's the first scene we see Ron and Harry work as a team, you know, and I love their dynamic. I love their friendship. It's also a really good action scene and probably like the first big action scene that we get to see. And then like after that, the Christmas scene, I love that Harry's like, "Uh, I'm staying here. And I love that Ron stayed too and that they get to have the Christmas feast and they talk about all the food and the Christmas poppers and just how happy he was. I don't know. I just, that scene just brings me full of joy. And then lastly, I, okay. I love the whole, the whole end scene going from the, can't remember the price name, but the, the plant, the evil snare falling through it going to the potions no not the potions i'm trying to remember what's the sequence hold on i'm gonna look up the sequence of going down there the sequence is the snare the keys the flying keys 
the troll, the chess, and then the potions. Yeah. Well, I love that whole scene. And my bad, I didn't get it quite right. My favorite one is definitely the winged keys one. Mm-hmm. I love, love everything about that whole scene. I love the chessboard chamber, the winged keys. I love Hermione getting excited about the potion riddle. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cute that she got excited about that because I know logic rather than some magic mastery. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I love all of that. That whole scene was so well done. Yes, it was. Anyway, I get really excited about that. Well, yeah, th- those are my favorite scenes of the book. All right, well, we should probably talk about least favorite scenes then. Yeah. So, I kind of hate every scene with Hermione until after the troll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just me. I She's just really freaking obnoxious. And I'm like, girl, you need to stop. Like, you need to chill out because you're just getting on everybody's nerves. Right. Well, and I kind of feel bad for Hermione because, like, as a bookworm myself, I'm very much like, yes, if I was told at 11 that I was going to this magical world, I'd be like, give me all the books. I want to know everything. I wouldn't have been able to regurgitate it like Hermione, but I would have wanted to know everything. Right. Oh, my God. And I didn't even mind, like, her uh, regurgitating it. It was just that. She was obnoxious about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the probably my most least favorite scenes. Even I don't enjoy the potions class at all. Anything that involves Snape or the potions class, I always kind of went, Snape, you're kind of a jerk. You really should not be teaching these children. Yeah, those scenes just made me hate Snape more. Like, cool, more reason to dislike you. Right. So when I first read this book, to me, Snape, like, I know he's 38. No, he's not 38. He's like 30, just turned 30. And like, I'm 32. And all I could think of is now is that I felt like he was so much older. Like, I thought he was like 45. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, he's just so much of a, oh, is it conundrum? Is that the right word? Conundrum. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That I was just like, why are you so poopy? You know? But then they're like, oh, he was in the same year as Lily and James, you know, Harry's parents. And I was like, really? Because he feels like he's, like, way older. Yeah, Snape is that, rather than a jock, he's a nerd that never got over high school grudges. Mm -hmm. Like, never got over his glory days. And so he's just stuck where he is. Yeah. He's just so bitter and so, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I know. So. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So for me, anything to do with the Dursleys, I hate it. I hated everything when they showed up. It's just, it's child abuse. It makes me angry every time, especially now that I'm a mom. Like, my mama bear comes up and I'm like, I'm going to kill you all and just take Harry away and it'll be fine. Yep. <laughs> also, it occurred to me rereading this. How many muggles do you think went to the English version of CPS hmm. and like ended up being hit by a spell or something that made them forget why they were there? And uh, this led me down a rabbit hole of thought of like, 
how messed up would it be if Dumbledore had put some sort of spell around like the CPS office that anybody who came in to report something wrong with Harry Potter would forget why they were there or be turned around or something like how messed up would that be for Dumbledore and just I could see that I I can totally see that right but it's just like it opens up so many horrifying possibilities of the levels of incompetence of the adults that were in Harry's life and the levels of horribleness just you know I know and it sucks I mean because it gets explained why he has to be there but it's very frustrating and see even knowing why he has to be there I'm like it's just not a good enough excuse for me still you know like I know, I know, I know it's not. It's still, they're still awful At the people. very least, they should have had, like, a wizard living with them to make sure the Dursleys weren't abusing Harry. Mm-hmm. Like, if they were aware of this at all. And if you weren't aware of it at all, then you should have been keeping a closer eye on things anyways. Like, nothing about this was well thought out, and I hate it. <laughs> it just, ugh. Ugh. I know. I know, I know, I'm with you. So I also felt really horrible for Neville this time around because throughout this book, he's basically punching back. He's constantly bullied by Draco and picked on by Snape. And at one point, Draco does a leg locker curse. And this poor kid has to climb up to the Gryffindor Tower, to the top of the Gryffindor Tower with his legs locked which is a long way up, yes. Right. And when he finally gets there, literally everyone in the common room laughs at him. And I was so pissed off for Neville when that happened. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Kids are horrible. Mm-hmm. Kids are just absolutely horrible. The only person who doesn't laugh is Hermione. She immediately goes to help him. But even Harry and Ron immediately laugh at him. I'm like... Oh my God, I hate children. This is why I hate children. Right. Because <laughs> they're horrible. Yeah. This scene just reminded me of why I hate children. Because they're horrible to each other. Yes, they are. I, I mean, they were horrible when we were in school. They're horrible in books. Fuck, right? Kids are always horrible to each other. That's all there is to it. I hate it. All right. Anything else, or do you want to move into our final thoughts? Mm, I just have final thoughts. Me too. Would you like to start, or shall I? I can start. So the mirror scene with Dumbledore, it got me thinking. Because he says he saw himself holding nice woolen socks. And I know later we find out that's a lie, but it made me think... Did he say that because it was around Christmas time and he was thinking about how his sister used to give him socks or his family used to give him socks or something along those lines? Like, is that why he immediately thought of he was holding socks? Just because, like, it would make sense if that was something that he'd gotten every year for Christmas and then now that his family... Because socks is something that usually, like, close friends or family would give you for Christmas. I like socks. You can give me socks all year long. It's okay. Yes, I love socks. Mm, Socks. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
But yeah, that's just like, that's the connection I made. Like, dang, that hurt my heart a little bit when I thought about it too. Like, oh, so that made me a little sad. Yeah, there, yeah. My other thing was, I always feel so personally offended by the line that Hermione says, books and cleverness, there's more important things, friendship and bravery. And I'm like, excuse me? You're telling me books and cleverness aren't important? But they are. Just like, boo on you. Yes, friendship is important, but you can't tell me books and cleverness aren't important too. Or that they're less important than friendship. Like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I like your priorities. It's okay. So what were your final thoughts? (laughs) For me... One of my favorite quotes is from this book. It is, it takes a, or not that one, fear of a name increases fear of a thing itself and how there's so much taboo about using Lord um, Voldemort's name and, you know, Dumbledore's like, just just stop. Like, we are only giving it more and more power the less we say it. And it's just one of those ones that kind of resonates with you because when you make something forbidden or taboo, it just makes it all the more desirable, or all the more forbidden and the more appealing it becomes to people. And, you know, it's like one of those things like, well, maybe people would not have flocked to him so much if he, you know, didn't have all of this fear around him that people, I mean, he was deadly and terrible. Yes. But, you know, people gave him power as well. Right. So, what would you rate this book? You didn't say that. What your rating is? I'm pretty sure I've rated all of these five stars. Would you rate it five stars because of why? Like why? Why are these five stars? Okay, so I've rated all seven of these books five stars because I don't feel like I can critically give them a rating like I would a book I am reading for the first time currently. Mm-hmm. because there's so much nostalgia and so many rereads attached to these books for me that it's just impossible to do a critical review. I can't say this part wasn't well written and I hate this character. This just didn't work for me. So that knocks it down a star and just like, I can't do that with a series like this. Mm-hmm. Out of all the Harry Potter books, Prisoner of Eskimo is my favorite, and this is my second favorite. So this is definitely, like, the... I love rereading this book so much. I have so many memories attached to it. I just love that coming-to-age story. I mean, it's a five out of five. So is Prisoner of Azkaban. They're both two of my most favorite books, you know? But, yeah, I, I love these books. I love rereading them. They make me happy. Mm-hmm. That's the other nice thing about rereading a series like this it just the the books that you liked the most they just make you happy mm-hmm. I really have needed a lot of a lot more happiness in my life lately I know and the, these things are things of happiness all right well if that's all that you have for tonight Abby I think it's time for us to bid adieu to our guests and for us to go I think so all right goodbye everyone we'll see you next week See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.
If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating on the app you use or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps! For a list of the books we talked about today, visit our community page on Facebook at The Book Life Podcast and search under Files. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the same name. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by Katie Benoit from her album Dominique. You can find Katie on Instagram at K, the number 8, T, B E N O I T, and on Spotify under her name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.